Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in to Oklahoma Breakdown, a product of Crimson Cream Machine, your Oklahoma I'm Matt Ravis, Jack Shields, how are you? Pretty good, man, how are you? Doing alright, uh, I feel like during that Bedlam game, I aged about 10 years. Uh, That's finally. a Bedlam tradition at this point, I mean, I think I all of my, all of the gray hair on my temples is Bedlam related and maybe like a little bit of Landry Jones and a little bit of young Russell Westbrook, like... That game, by the way, just wrapped up like two hours ago as of recording. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it felt like, like I said, forever. Um, and, yeah, it was just a... Uh, I I thought OSU had no chance going in. No, me neither. I, I didn't. I said 63 Now, granted, Cornelius uh, did play a lot better than I thought he would. I he mean, had he's, an out-of-body experience. Yeah, he, he, he was very impressive. I will say that. I mean... Granted, OU did give him a lot, but he's he hasn't always taken advantage of the opportunities he's been given. Well, this year. yeah, I, I mean there was I thought several times in that game even there were uh, advantage there were opportunities rather that Cornelius didn't take advantage of. You know, several receivers wide open. I think Tylen Wallace was a receiver who was wide open. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's an easy score. Uh, there, there are a couple other. He's just not an accurate passer, but he not usually no. It, o- and OU usually sure did their best to make him look like. One. But yeah, and a lot of his inaccuracy has had to do with his uh, offensive lines and ability to protect him and give him a clean pocket. And I thought, you know, OU's had issues obviously with the pass rush this year. But I thought, you know, with how bad Oklahoma State's pass protection's been this year, I thought OU was gonna kind of break through in this one and maybe give Corn Dog a hard time. And that did not happen at all. Let me, let me ask you this. Can the OU apologist in you explain why the hell these, the corners are giving so much cushion? No, I can't. I, I absolutely cannot. I don't think any, I don't think any amount of OU um, apologism. I don't know if that's the right word. That's probably a terrible word, actually. So uh, don't, don't quote know, me on that. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I, I mean, like Rufus Alexander, my coworker at the franchise, uh, spoke about it. He has no idea. I mean, you're talking about one of the best defenders that OU has had, defensive players that OU has had in a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just, Very sure tackler. Sh- sure. and, and just We'd to, love to have him right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had no idea, and I, I, I haven't heard anybody else give me a reasonable exp- explanation as to why. why no, I mean, you know, the idea is, you know, not getting beaten deep. And but really it's, it's not preventing that from happening at all. I mean, they're getting yeah. – you're giving them whatever they want underneath, and that's usually – you know that it's a guaranteed seven or eight yards, and with OU's tackling out on the edge, it's usually twelve or thirteen yards. I mean, teams have been able to nickel and dime OU uh, to great to great effect this year, and uh, credit to OSU. I mean, they connected on a couple of their deep balls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, they work in progress. 
Defense. Uh, the defense is. <laughs> I, I don't know if work in progress is the world. Because that, I mean, that implies I, that there's I think some that kind implies of conclusion. that there's a future for the yeah. people in charge of that defense. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying that Ruffin would like not be on the staff next year, but I mean he's obviously not going to be the defensive coordinator next year. One last, if th- there was any hope yeah. of that beforehand, that's gone now. Yeah, one last thing before we move on to the Kansas game. Um, what kind of name would you like to see in a DC spot? Uh, who are you maybe hyped up for, or like maybe even what kind of guy would you like Lincoln Riley to go after? Oh, Assuming I mean, it's not going to be Ruffin. Grinch would be one. He's not necessarily the home run that everyone thinks he is, but he would be a very, very, very good hire. I mean, if uh, is that from it, Alabama? No, 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 from uh, Ohio State. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, from Ohio State. But uh, yeah, and he was Washington State's DC last year under Mike Leach. But uh, you know. People bring up Pete Golding, who was at a UTSA before he was at Alabama, and he took UTSA from up in the hundreds in defensive S&P Plus all the way down to, I believe, eighth nationally in like a span of two or three years. So, I mean, he's obviously someone who can fix something, but, you know, at the same time, he doesn't have a ton of experience uh, going against the uh, – Big 12 offenses, you know, he's at Alabama right now. But, I mean, obviously, he, he's only 35 years old. He's a very, you know, sharp guy, kind of like a Lincoln Riley, but on defense, honestly. So, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be an interesting one. But at the same time, you know, he's he's the co-defensive coordinator at Alabama. And that's, you know, being at Alabama as a D.C., that's a stepping stone gig to a head coaching gig, not to another D.C. gig. And, and, and a D.C. gig that's – you know, not sure to make you look good either. Yeah, I mean, that might be worse than a lateral move. You yeah, guys it, oh yeah. I mean, even though he would be in charge of the defense and not just a co-coordinator, it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't picture that happening. But uh, never know. But uh, yeah, there. Allen had a good list that he put together back when the decision was made. But you know, I. I really don't know who they're going to go after. There are a ton of options, though. And sp- speaking of Alan, Alan Kinney, from, uh, who, who writes for Crimson and Cream Machine, uh, has an article up uh, kind of about what OU's defense could do better, and I think his conclusion was spot on. They just need somebody who can teach these kids, who can yeah, get I mean, through to it's, these kids. Cause you can, Mike, I mean, Mike Stoops may have had it all up here in his head, but if you can't get it through to the kids, then uh, you're, you're useless. You have there, to be as much of a teacher as you are a coach. There are many areas of this defense where – it's become very regular for players to not improve during their time. In the secondary, his Jordan been. Thomas got worse. Jordan Thomas got worse. Parnell Motley's getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's you know Norwood's not getting better. And those are confidence. Positions. It's you know it it's it's very frustrating to see the lack of progression from these defensive backs over the past three or four years. I mean it's. It's maddening because he's, you know, Cooks has done a great job of recruiting defensive backs, obviously. You know, he's bringing in blue chippers regularly, but, it's, you know, it's it's not really translating to results back there. Yeah, if they can't learn to get their head around no. when the ball is going, no. then it doesn't really matter. All right, let's get off of this topic um, and move into uh, – we'll talk about OU versus Kansas before we get into some uh, basketball update, recruiting update there. Um, look – Let's just be honest here. This is not a game that is probably going to be interesting at all. This is not a game that's going to be compelling. This is a game that's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Uh, It's going to be probably boring. Uh, The crowd probably going to be lifeless. It's just kind of how it goes against Kansas. So 
Uh, what are the sort of things that you're going to be looking for in this game? Well, I mean, stay injury-free. That would be one. I, I mean, I'm really not too concerned about anything else because I don't think anything we see on the field is really going to uh, tell us anything new about this team. I mean, if, if this de- defense comes out and holds Kansas to 14 points, it, that doesn't mean anything because Kansas's offense is not prolific. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the uh, – the Kansas State or the TCU defensive performances. And, they, you know, obviously there were good things to take from it, but, you know, it was largely fool's gold. So Yeah, we talked to Mike Plank of uh, Rock Chalk Talk, and uh, he explained explained to us, uh, and you'll, you'll hear this later on in the podcast, that um, this is very they're very much a check-down type of offense, a nickel-and-dime type of offense. That's kind of what you can expect from Kansas. So they won't take a lot of risks. He compared um, freshman on the quarterback's name. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Peyton Bender. Yeah, for, Peyton yeah. Bender for for Kansas. I uh, compared him to Alex Smith. Uh, if that gives you any kind of comparison, so um, is this a game where if OU doesn't create a turnover, seems like they're on the the verge of that kind of turnover rush. It seemed like they were in. Position I've been for saying several. that for about six weeks. And now, Lincoln Riley so. has been saying that too. He uh, he said as much at his press conference on Buki uh, has to get a turnover at some point this season. Is this a game? It's, like if OU doesn't I, come away with the turnover from this game, are you I, I mean, be really disappointed? I, I feel like Buki's due. I mean, it's you know, it's. Something that would really energize the crowd if it finally happened because we've been uh, – that's something we were expecting from him from the jump. So. And the funny thing about it is you feel like it's one of those things where they're so excited to be in position to make the play because they haven't made that play that it prevents them from making the play. Like they're thinking about the next step. At least that's kind of the, the vibe that I've gotten. It's, it's just one of those things that kind of comes in waves. Yeah. I mean, it, it the wave hasn't come this year for Oklahoma. So I think it's only eight turnovers they've forced all year. Only yeah, one, only one fumble margin. recovery on defense. The other two fumble recoveries were special teams this year. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's so statistically improbable for this few turnovers to be created. But it's you know, that's kind of the great equalizer when it comes to defense. Uh, yeah. You look at Oklahoma State back in their uh, early, or I should say, late two thousands, early two thousand tens. Their defense wasn't all that great, but they created a lot of turnovers. They did, yeah. And that's, that was kind of the great equalizer for them. So uh, we'll give our score prediction on the other side uh, towards the end of the podcast. But now I want to move into OU basketball. Gotten rolling two games, 2-0 and start. Um, for Before we get into recruiting, what's been your impression of a a starless, uh, at, as of now at least, Oklahoma Sooners basketball team? You know, there have been some encouraging signs for sure. I mean, they they played two road games, one at UTRGV and one at UTSA, both against former Kruger assistants in uh, Lou Hill and Steve Henson. But, you know, it, it's hard to tell because the obviously that isn't incredible competition. So, But I thought the intensity was a lot better than what you saw defensively last year. I think the chemistry offensively is a lot better. The ball movement is a lot better. It's not, you know, centered or an offense that's centered around one player like it was last year. You know, it's generally this unit seems more cohesive. Christian James looks like he's finally becoming the person we all expected after Buddy Heald graduated. Like to sort of, I mean, not necessarily rise to that level obviously but I mean everyone sort of expected him to be Oklahoma's uh alpha on the offensive well end. it's funny because I expected that to be Brady Manick this year and it completely it's been James 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Brady still has to sort of expand his offensive game a little bit, I think. But, like, uh, he's looked good as well. And he's uh, he's put on some weight. He's shown a lot more physicality. He's got, uh, you know, two, t- two double-doubles in two games. So that's an encouraging sign, obviously. But, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Calixtes looked pretty good at point guard. He's definitely someone who uh, is going to be able to – you know, contribute some offense. I mean, I mean, as far as like scoring is concerned, he's uh, but he's not as good of a distributor as his backup as uh, Jamal Bienemy. Bienemy has a phenomenal feel for the point guard position. You watch him out there, and he's just so under control for a freshman. I mean, he's he seems like a more mature player than his years would show. I mean, he's I think he's really going to be a dude, and I you know. After the exhibition, I thought to myself, you know, I think he could maybe challenge to take Calixti's starting spot by the end of the year. I, I, I don't really think so anymore so much, but because Calixti has looked pretty under control himself. But like I said, you know, it's only been uh, UTRGV and UTSA. Now, UTSA, I don't think is going to be too bad this year, but, uh, you know, obviously it's no comparison to what they're going to see in the Big 12, which is quite the gauntlet, so... Like I said, you know, we'll we'll see once they face some better competition. But the early returns have been positive. And, and then on to the uh, recruiting sphere, big week uh, in terms of recruiting for basketball. Uh, top top ten class, right? Yeah, number Walter. nine. Yeah, number nine. Yeah, it's you know two or uh, three top one hundred high school players and uh, Harmon uh, headlighting that. So you know three top one hundred high school guys and two top 10 JUCO guys. So, I mean, that's – they had – I think it's six scholarship seniors on the roster this year. You signed five guys. I mean, you've got – theoretically, you have room to bring in one more before the uh, the next signing period, which uh, is in the spring. But, you know, I – the future definitely looks very bright from a roster standpoint. I mean, 2019, next year, you'll have – Brady Manick, you'll have Christian Doolittle still. You'll have uh, these five guys. You'll have the Austin Reeves kid who transferred from Wichita State in the offseason who is a sharpshooter. And, you know, then you have Jamal Bienemy who's going to be a sophomore next year. So, I mean, you're going to be pretty deep across all positions and very talented as well. The team will be young next year, but it's definitely – it's got some, you know, it'll have a veteran presence sprinkled in there with – uh you know, Manic will be a junior by that by that point. Doolittle will be a senior. The Reeves kid has uh, big time college basketball experience, and he'll be a redshirt junior next year. So, I mean, this year I I don't know how high their ceiling is, but their ceiling next year and beyond going to be pretty high. They're going to be really fun to watch. It's always got to be uh, looking for that next competitive edge in the Big Twelve. Um, my for my money, the best basketball conference in, in yeah, the top to bottom. It's yeah, no question, absolutely. I SEC mean, is always going to challenge. ACC is always going to challenge. But for my money, Big Twelve is where it's at. I mean, you look at the deep tournament runs from all the teams last year. Uh, very very competitive. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this segment here. Before we turn it over, or rather, uh, invite our friends from Rock Chalk Talk. Kansas's SB Nation community in. I uh, talked to them about um, the upcoming Oklahoma-Kansas game. A uh, big thank you to them. Uh, that's coming up next on Oklahoma Breakdown.
All right, now we uh, bring in friend of the show, Mike Plank. He is the editor-in-chief of Rock Chalk Talk. That is uh, your home for Kansas sports on SB Nation. Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight? Not too bad, man. You uh, you're dealing with the baby, uh, I understand. Yeah, um, I, I full you know honesty with your listeners there. Uh, we're recording this a little bit late because of me, but that's okay. Um, you know, have, she's almost one, and it was right uh-huh. at bedtime, and and uh, I just slipped my mind. And you know how you get to playing with the baby, and then they get tired, and you have to put them to bed before they completely freak out on you. I hear that dealing with the baby is not just an activity. That's like a state of mind, like a lifestyle <laughs> at some point in time. Well, I, uh, you know what? I would actually agree with that. Um, and, and I'm one of those people, and I don't know if this is what you want to talk about tonight or not, but we may as well, right? <laughs> we'll um, go off on any tangent you want. We don't care. I, I, I was one of those people who I was just sure I was never having kids, and I just wasn't interested, and, and you know, I I was just on hashtag team no kids, you know, and and uh, it just it turned out to be a, a wonderful, happy accident is the wrong word, but um, <laughs> happenstance, and, and it's it's completely changed my life, and I never would have thought I would say it for the better, but it totally has been. I just I just can't even believe it, and it's been on, uh, her one-year birthday is, is this coming Saturday, actually, um, uh, just right before the game. We're going to have a big old party and do the whole, you know, cake thing and, and whatever, <laughs> and, and uh, and uh, yeah, she was actually... Uh, you guys will get a kick out of this. She was actually born an hour before the Kansas Oklahoma game last year. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> I, I so, the, so the so the first thing she saw was Baker Mayfield grabbing himself on TV. <laughs> the Baker Mayfield crotch grab. Yeah. Well, first she saw the disrespect from the KU players. Then, <laughs> then the crotch grab. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I watched that game with with my newborn baby in my arms at the hospital. So it, it was amazing. She might be ruined forever after you know, seeing all of that behavior. You know, that's 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 irreversible damage right there. I know it. I know it. But but anyway, we're gonna get started here, and we're gonna start off with the uh, the boring topic. And by the boring topic, I mean this game itself that's coming up this weekend. Totally. Uh, agree. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> as far as Kansas football is concerned, KU fans haven't had a whole lot to smile about in recent years. However, they've been able to smile about freshman running back Buka Williams, who's averaging 5.9 yards a carry in his young career. What makes him such a unique talent? I think he just has, um, I just think he has another gear that a lot of players, even running backs, don't have. He's just got, I don't know how fast he is. I don't know if it's 4-4 or 4-2 or 4-3 or what it is, but he just runs away from people on the football field. Um, and that's if he can get a crease. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the problems he's having behind this Kansas offensive line is is not a lot of room to run. So he's had he's had his share of games where he's had you know twelve carries for forty five yards or whatever. But it seems like in in almost every game he's broken one for sixty or for seventy or or whatever, and that's bumped up his yards per carry on, across the season. Uh, but I and like I said, when he finds that crease, he is gone. Um, he can make guys miss in the open field, like, like, gosh, like Barry Sanders almost. I mean, I, I just he's just electric all the way around. He has he's elusive. He's quick. Um, I I, he, 
I, I don't know how Kansas got him. I, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they got a bunch. He's, is he one of those Louisiana kids, if I'm he not is. mistaken? Yeah, he, exactly. Uh, they, uh, David Beatty got KU's first ever uh, top 300 recruits last year in, <laughs> in Puka Williams and uh, Corian Harris, who's a cornerback, uh, who's starting at corner now. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, Puka was a top 300 player. Um, and, uh, I don't know how long have his rivals been around 20 or so years. Like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like I'm sure, you know, Gail Sayers and, you know, guys like that would have been, you know, top 100 players, but in the rivals era, um, these are our top two recruits ever. And, uh, David Beatty got them last year. And, uh, I mean, Puka's just, he's just been electric and it, Here's the thing, guys, and this is probably an unpopular op- opinion around Kansas circles, but I don't even think he's our best back. Uh, I th- I think Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I think Khalil Herbert is a better uh, all-around back. Um, I, he's just he's probably not as quick. He doesn't have quite the uh, you know elusiveness that Puka does, uh, but he I think he's a little more durable. Um, he's almost as quick. And, and I mean, he get, he grinds up yards and chunks too. And he has, uh, if they would give either of those guys thirty carries a game, they would be the Big 12's leading rusher. That, that's that's how good both of those guys are. Kansas really has great talent at the running back position, but because of the style of offense that they're trying to run, uh, you don't get to see a lot of that. You've seen it in flashes. Um, Herbert had like two hundred and fifty yards against West Virginia or something last year, but. Um, but uh, I, I, the talent they have at running back is just ridiculous for the state of the program. Now let's uh, switch it up to the uh, passing game here. Kansas ranks 121st in passing S&P Plus, but Oklahoma ranks 82nd in passing defense S&P Plus. <laughs> and it's been much worse in the recent weeks. So if Kansas ends up finding a rhythm in the passing game, Rich receivers are most likely to give the OU secondary some issues. The Jayhawks have struggled a lot uh, the last just week or two with drops in the wide open field. I don't know if you guys have, you guys probably haven't watched any Kansas games. There was one against Iowa State two weeks ago. Um, there was one against K State last week that probably wins the game. Um, and then there was another one last week against K State where. Uh, the pass led the receiver. He had the guy beat, but the pass led the receiver out of bounds. So instead of a touchdown, it was a 30-yard gain or whatever it was. Uh, the, I mean, Peyton Bender's an okay college quarterback, I guess. He's he's nothing like what Oklahoma fans are used to seeing. He he's he ha- can be erratic. He can throw the ball to the wrong team. He takes sacks. Um, it's the quarterback situation is not good at Kansas and that's holding back the receivers. Uh, when they are able to get it down there though, uh, Steven Sims can definitely be a game breaker. He had a long touchdown catch against K state last week. Uh, he had a, a couple other good plays. Um, but Steven Sims, I mean, he is up there in the KU record books, uh, right behind Kerry Meyer and Des Briscoe. If that tells you guys anything. Yeah, they were good. Briscoe was damn good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, his, his career numbers are right up there with those guys. And think about for a second who his head coach has been for the last four years and how bad Kansas has been, and yet there are his numbers up there with, with these you know, all-time greats at Kansas. 
you know, Stevenson, he's definitely the most dangerous receiving target. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of Stephon Robinson. Um, Kwame Laster, I think he's the guy that's dropped the last couple of big drops. Uh, so you'll hear some of those names, but Steven Sims is the one to, to really look out for. Okay, now speaking of the passing game, what should Oklahoma fans expect from Peyton Bender? You sort of touched on this already, but like, what are some of his characteristics as a quarterback? Uh, he will give the ball up on 99% of the read options. So <laughs> Oklahoma doesn't have Good to, to know. He, he's not a runner. Um, now, if, if Oklahoma's playing some cover two man and, you know, everybody's got their backs turned and, and he's got 20 yards in front of him, then he'll take off. But uh, he's not a runner. Um, he, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's just indecisive or, um, and, and it's, got, it's actually gotten better this year. He, he really used to take so many sacks. Um, but he's, he's definitely gotten better this year. Um, he, he will check down in a heartbeat. I mean, I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, Alex Smith. I live up here in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm very familiar. Yeah, there, there you go. Check down, Charlie. Um, I mean, that's Peyton <laughs> Bender. But, you know, again, he's got good options coming out of the backfield. Uh, uh, Puka Williams uh, has been, uh, what does he have? I think 40 or 50 catches out of the backfield so far this year. And he's turning those into yards. Uh, so he does have options on check downs. Um, Kansas does not throw the ball down the field a lot, uh, very much. They'll do a lot of wide receiver screens and running back screens and, and quick slants and stuff like that. They will, they will not go deep very often. And I think that's probably a function of, uh, the offensive line, uh, especially going up against somebody like Oklahoma, who's going to have the, the four and five star recruits on the defensive line against our two and three star recruits on the offensive line. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, look for a lot of short, quick passes. Uh, Oklahoma can probably load the box and not worry too much about getting beat deep, um, with the exception of maybe Steven Sims. He, like, like, like I talked about a second ago, he's he's not only the best receiver, he's also the fastest receiver. Um, and uh, if anybody's going to get a big gain on him, it'll be it'll be Sims. I'm sure Oklahoma will still give ten yard cushions, but yeah, good to know about stacking the box. <laughs> yeah, I mean teams have been able to nickel and dime OU with yeah, pretty absolutely. great success all season long, so. It will be interesting to see. Uh, I've got a question on the other side of the ball for you. I learned this today. Uh, number one in the Big 12 in turnover margin is Kansas, plus 13. Uh, meanwhile, Oklahoma is even uh, at zero, zero uh, in the middle of the pack. Seems like Kansas does have some individually talented players uh, on the defense on multiple levels. So who are a couple of the guys uh, that we should be looking out for? Uh, the first name that anybody who knows anything is going to tell you is Joe Deneen. He's the middle linebacker, um, led the country, I believe, in tackles last year and is leading again this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, Joe Deneen is, yeah, I mean, he's a sideline-to-sideline -side player. He's a Ben Heaney-type guy, um, just always around the ball, always in the play. Um, and as for other individually talented guys, um, there's not a lot on the defensive line. There is Daniel Wise, uh, the defensive tackle, uh, expected to be a fourth or fifth round pick in next year's NFL draft. Uh, considered going pro this last year, but came back. Uh, Kansas would have a really good line if Dorrance Armstrong would have stuck around another year, but I understand mm -hmm. him wanting to get out of town. Uh, and then uh, we've I've already mentioned Corian Harris. He's starting at corner. He's, he is a true freshman, but he's KU's first ever top 100 recruit. 
Uh, um, and uh, you can definitely see the talent there, uh, talent that we're not used to having, honestly. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on, and I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does against uh, other guys who are going to be as physical and as fast as he is. Uh, and then you've got Hassan defense at safety, uh, the appropriately named Hassan defense. Um, he, he's got several interceptions this year. So uh, those are probably the main names uh, to keep keep an eye out for. Um, Kansas usually runs a, a 4-2-5 base defense, uh, which, you know, is, is trying to stop offenses like Oklahoma's, which I don't. I don't think much of anybody has done this year, aside from what maybe Iowa State. They slowed it down to a degree, but I mean Oklahoma was still usually having a lot of success offensively. I mean, no one's really been able to figure out the formula there, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, but those are the guys to that you're going to hear the most. Uh, although you may not even hear Wise's name very much. I think he gets a lot of double and triple teams. Uh, but. Uh, but uh, definitely Joe Deneen and the other linebacker is Keith Loniker, who's another legacy, uh, along with Kwame Lasseter on the offense. But uh, uh, the two linebackers will make make a lot of tackles, make a lot of plays, uh, unless, you know, Oklahoma's throwing the ball down the field, in which case uh, we'll see how our corners hold up, I suppose. Now, before we move on to the good stuff, let's close out this conversation about this game. First off, do you think Kansas beats the spread, which is 35.5 as we're recording this? And do you take the over or the under, which is 68.5? And will Joe Deneen shake hands at the coin toss? <laughs> I guarantee you Joe Deneen shakes hands at the coin toss this year. Um, but, uh, gosh, the total is 65. Is that what you said? 68.5. 68.5. I'm probably taking the over on that. I think Oklahoma's going to score in the 60s by themselves. And, uh, I mean, they even K-State, which is a bad offensive team, got a couple of touchdowns on Oklahoma. So I think I'm taking the over on that. Um, and that they're definitely covering the spread. I don't, I don't see any way that this game is competitive, even at halftime, guys. I, I really don't. Um, Kansas is just... I, I don't know what they're doing on offense. Uh, they're, they're trying to run an air raid when their best talent is at running back. I, they should be they should be running the ball 50, 60 times a game, and they're running it, you know, half that. Uh, but uh, I, I just feel like – and then the, then the other part, which I've already mentioned, is they never throw the ball down the field. So, uh, you know, you're you're trying to do all these short, quick hitters and, and then – not taking shots down the field never opens anything up. So I, I don't know what they're doing on offense. Um, and then the the defense, and you, you guys have hit on this. Here's your stat of the day. So David Beatty has, I believe, six wins at Kansas. Uh, three of those, in three of those wins, David Beatty is unbeaten when his defense gets six turnovers. He is 3-0 and when his defense gets six turnovers. That's happened twice this year. Wow. Uh, uh, two years ago, it happened against uh, your favorite team, Texas. And uh, <laughs> and then this year, it happened at Central Michigan, and it happened against Rutgers. Wait, and you guys happened to beat Can or Texas, right? Right, yeah. That happened? Yeah. People forget that. People yeah, people forget sure. that. No one no one mentions that on Twitter, so. No, no one mentions that, so. But, yeah, it took six turnovers for Kansas to beat Texas, uh, which wow. I'll take it. 
but <laughs> I'll take it too. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, that that plus thirteen differential that you mentioned in turnovers, uh, twelve of those came in two games. So wow. Central Central Michigan and Rutgers aren't exactly, you know, the barometers of college football. So I I don't know that I would worry. Now has I believe it was Hassan defense had two or three picks of Will Greer in the West Virginia game, but other than that, Kansas really hasn't had a lot of of turnover success. Um, so I, I and Kyler Murray is not the kind of guy to to throw the ball away. I think his TD to INT ratio is like thirty two to five. Did I see that earlier today? It's, yeah, that that sounds about right. It's something just disgusting like that. So. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, there's no way this game is close. But I, I, I think there'll be some points scored. I think most of them will be scored by Oklahoma. Uh, uh, I would take the Sooners to cover, and I would definitely take the over. Okay, now let's switch to this coaching conversation. This has been pretty entertaining over the past uh, few days. Now that people are checking the flights and stuff like that, that's uh, <laughs> people are tracking tail numbers. Flight tracker season is my favorite season of all, honestly. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, uh, Anyway, the common narrative nationally surrounding David Beatty was that he, you know, inherited an impossible scholarship situation from Charlie Weiss. And since he's been there, people perceive that he's improved things. However, Kansas fans such as yourself and your uh, guy Andy Mitz have explained on numerous occasions that that is not the case whatsoever as far as uh, him improving things. So... What specifically have been his missteps as a head coach, and how did he come to this point? Well, obviously, at least I hope obviously, this is going to be mostly speculation on my part, but after his second year, when they, so they beat Texas, right? People forget Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, they beat Texas, and then they played... I believe it was K-State and Iowa State close to end the 2016 season. And then the athletic director at the time doubled his salary, you know, gave him an extension, did all this stuff, right? Uh, My guess is that that raise and extension put some extra expectation on him. And I think he changed his recruiting strategy at that point uh, because he started recruiting he started doing the Weiss thing. He started bringing in the Juco players. Not a um, healthy thing to do. Right. Uh, at least not in large quantities like that. You can't be dependent on that. Yeah. Um, last year's recruiting class, so 20, I guess that'd be the 2018 recruiting class, right? Uh, yep. 11 of the 20 recruits were Juco players. And the year before that, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, in the last two classes, it was 22 combined in the last two classes. That completely screws up your numbers. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's... After he had started, like his first two years, after he had started doing things, you know, what he said he was going to do, we're going we're gonna to recruit the Kansas high schools and we're going to recruit Texas and we're going to recruit high school players. And, like, he started doing that. But then, for some reason, in year three, he went away from that. And, and I, I don't know why, but because of the um, you know gray shirting and blue shirting and and transfers and all that stuff that you do um, even this this upcoming 2019 class uh, I, I think the last number I saw was KU only has 15 available scholarships 
and they've just recruited, you know, 20 JUCO guys that are going to graduate in a year. Yeah. So, you know, he, the, the scholarship situation is just as bad and maybe worse when all is said and done, uh, with, with the, just the lack of numbers and, and what he brought in the last two years. And, you know, and there's always, you lose players to a coaching change. Like who's to say that Puka Williams is going to be here next year. Uh, you know, if he doesn't like the incoming head coach, he might want to, uh, you know, I'm sure any sec school would still take him, uh, even though he'd have to sit out a year. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's just the scholar the scholarship situation has not improved obviously the the wins and losses haven't improved any um you know charlie weiss had a better record than than david Beatty does charlie weiss won six games in two and a half years it's taken Beatty four years to win six games um and that's saying something i think um yeah and some of the things that people point to that the Beatty supporter the Beatty supporters will point to you just can't you can't really argue with them because they're not, they're not, I, I, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but they're not things that you could point at and say, Oh yeah, that is improved. It's things like attitude and, um, and, and culture and things like that. And well, well, how do you know? Like I'm not in the locker room. You're not in the locker room. You don't know. Um, you just hear David Beatty, his press conference going, well, you know, we didn't do well enough this week and I got to coach them harder and we'll hit the, you know, we'll hit the film room and try again this week. I mean, that, that gets old after four years. And, uh, and I think Jeff Long was brought in to hire a football coach. And I think that was the ex- expectation all year long. And, and I think he probably made the announcement at just about the right time. And, and here we are. So now moving on to this coaching search, what attributes and characteristics do you think Jeff Long and the people in charge need to prioritize when making this hire? Um, <laughs> he, uh, he actually had in his official statement, he had a list of qualifications, um, head coaching experience, a program builder, uh, a couple of other things. Um, I'm sure recruiting in there somewhere. Uh, I honestly don't remember exactly. Uh, but, I mean, any AD is going to say that probably. Uh, I, I don't know, and I don't know that I would have believed this a month ago, but um, just the guys that I think that they're looking at, that it seems like they're looking at, I, I'm not super interested in. Like, Kansas fans are going gaga over Les Miles, but, I mean, the dude is 65. Uh, <laughs> his, yeah. his offense is from 20 years ago. I mean, he would – he, he would almost have to hire an innovative offensive coordinator and let that guy take the offense. Um, I, I just, I just don't see his, his offense succeeding at, at Kansas. Uh, yeah, he was a great recruiter at LSU. That's a completely different beast than trying to recruit to Kansas. Um, I mean, he had some problems at, at Oklahoma state. There was this big, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, there's this big Sports Illustrated story that broke a while after yep. he left Oklahoma State with with former players and, and bounty systems and and all kinds of, I don't even remember what all was in that, but um, that's concerning to me, even though it was, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Um, if, if that's how it, if that's what it takes to win at, <laughs> at a place not like LSU, then I'm not sure that Kansas wants to go there. Maybe they do. I don't know. 
Um, but uh, you know, I would I would really prefer it if they could pull a guy from the from the G five ranks. Uh, you know, uh, you know, one of your guys, Seth Luttrell, is at the top of my list. Uh, the Army coach Jeff Monken, I think the triple option would be great uh, at Kansas again. That would uh, be the quickest road back to relevance, I would say. I, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, and there's a number of triple option coaches out there. Um, you know, you could get an assistant from Georgia Tech. You could get the um, the guy at Kennesaw State. I forget his name. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of ways you could go with the triple option. Maybe, maybe Ken Niamatololo is getting tired of losing at Navy this year. I think they're like two and 10 or something. They're not having a great season. If he wants out, now's the time to get him. Um, I know he's turned down what Arizona and BYU in the last couple of years, but maybe now's the time. Uh, I mean, there's any number of options they could go with this. And it, it sounds like they're looking at guys like Les Miles and Todd Graham and NFL offensive analysts. And I just, it's not jiving with me. I, I don't, I don't know why, but um, I, I feel like you've got to go with somebody who has won at a lower level. Uh, Troy Brown, uh, Neil. I'm sorry, Neil Brown at Troy, would be another one that's on my list. Um, the dude has done nothing but win, and and I, they beat L, what they beat LSU last year. They beat Nebraska this year. They almost beat Clemson two years ago in Clemson's national title season. Uh, I mean, I think he'd be a great candidate. Uh, and throw a bunch of money at him and make him say no. I mean, that, that, that's the worst that can happen, right? You call him up and and they say, hey, uh, what's it going to take to get him to Kansas? And they say, $8 million a year. Well, then, okay, we're probably not going to do that. But, uh, but uh, you know, call him up and make him say no. Kansas is going to have to pay. Kansas has money, guys. They, they have money. They can pay a coach two, three, probably even $4 million a year. They're not going to pay him five because that's what Bill Self makes. But, um, you know, they could pay him a couple million dollars a year. Um, Kansas has facilities. Uh, they just renovated the, the locker rooms and all that good stuff a year ago. So they're right on par, you know, with Texas or, or Oklahoma or anybody in the conference. Uh, they're building a brand new indoor practice arena facility right now. It'll be ready for next year. Uh, I mean, the facilities are right there. And the stadium's 100 years old. But do the players really care what the stadium looks like i mean as long it's as more about people... facilities than the stadium itself right yeah. yeah exactly as long as there's people in it the players don't care um so i mean the facilities especially once this indoor practice facility is done the facility is going to be right up there with with anybody else and uh and like i said that kansas has the money to pay a coach uh it's just a matter of if they will and and, and if they choose the right one i mean and it's probably Maybe it's not so unfounded, but my worry with Les Miles is that it could be another Charlie Weiss situation. Uh, you know, I just I don't want to be another golden parachute for a, a retiring coach. That's certainly understandable. Now, this is a decent segue here. Now I'm going to give you some names, and I'm going to have you give a letter grade for the hire if it were to go down. Are you ready? Ooh, ooh. All right, I'm ready. All right, let's start here. Les Miles. Uh, I'm lukewarm on Les Miles. I'll give it a C plus. Okay, Willie Fritz of Tulane. Willie Fritz would be a decent hire. Uh, he's definitely been on on my list and my top seven or eight favorites. So I'll go I'll go B plus on Willie Fritz. Okay, Jeff Muckin from Army. Oh, that's an A plus hire, I think. 
and uh, Ken from Navy. Uh, a plus plus. I think he'd be better than than Monken, honestly. Mike McIntyre. Oh man, is that the Colorado coach? Yep. I would be unimpressed with that hire. Let's go with a D. Okay, Seth Luttrell. Uh, Seth was a solid A. Okay, Dave Doran. Dave He's from Doran, Kansas City. He he is from Kansas City. Um, he was an assistant under Mark Mangino. Um, so he's coached here before. Um, he's obviously from here. I, I'm pretty sure he still has family around here. Uh, Dave Dorn would be a, a B-plus, A-minus hire. I just don't know how realistic it is. He has a $6 million buyout if Ooh. he were to leave by the end of this year, and KU already has to pay Beatty $3 million to go away. So there's $9 million in buyouts right there, plus you're going to have to pay him 3 or $4 million a year. I just don't know if KU can swing that financially. Okay. Now, North Dakota State's coach, Kleeman, Kleiman, I'm, I don't know yeah. how it's pronounced, but yeah. yeah I don't know. Chris Kleiman or whatever, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's uh, that's somebody I'm hoping K-State goes after, so I'm going to go I'm going to go <laughs> with a, a C-minus hire. Okay, gotcha. Brent Venables. Uh, Brent Venables would definitely be, uh, I'd say he'd be a good B, B-plus hire. Um, I don't think he's leaving Clemson. I don't think he's leaving even for K-State. He's a he's a Kansas native, but he's a K-State grad. Um, I don't think he's even going to end up at K-State. I, it seems like his name comes up on every head coaching search, and he just seems content to be a highly paid defensive coordinator. So, um, But I, I think he'd definitely be a good B, B-plus hire. Mark Mangino. Uh, did you guys see uh, Mark Mangino's tweet, I believe, two days ago? Uh uh-uh. uh. He he just tweeted he, something to the effect of, uh, "I am not interested in the Kansas opening. Kansas fans need to move on, as I have. Thanks for the memories, or so, something like that." Um, so, <laughs> I, did I, anyone ask him? I mean, <laughs> I, I, he just tweeted it out of the blue. Yeah. So I don't know if he had reporters calling him or something or what. Yeah. He said, uh, "I won't be which, returning to Kansas in any capacity." Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You found it. Um, but he's actually a good follow on twitter um so, oh yeah i follow him yeah. yeah i just missed that one but yeah <laughs> um but uh i'm if he were to come back i think that would rejuvenate the fan base for sure i think it'd be a uh pro- i mean he kind of flamed out his last couple of stops so maybe an average to slightly above average higher c to c plus um uh, i would be excited but i you know i don't I, I wonder how much he still has left you know he didn't do so hot at iowa state um, and uh, he hasn't coached for several years, I think even longer than Les Miles. So, Yeah, much longer than Les Miles. But uh, finally, who do you think Kansas should hire, if you have to name one name, and who do you think they will hire? They should hire Jeff Monken out of Army. They will hire Les Miles. That just seems like a done deal at this point. Did, um did you guys see the news a couple hours ago? Les and LSU agreed to a, a buyout of his I buyout. did see that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to be coaching somewhere, and my, my guess is here. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Well, I can't wait for Big 12 Media Days this year. I mean, that's going to be fantastic with Les Miles there. <laughs> yeah. yeah if he's on a different day than Lincoln Riley, I'm going to both days. So that's uh, – it's definitely a must. Absolutely. Let her rip. 
All right. Well, uh, really appreciate your time tonight, Mike Plank uh, from Rock Chalk Talk. You can follow them on Twitter at Rock Chalk Talk. Of course, rockchalktalk.com. That is the Kansas SB Nation community. Uh, it's basketball season, so definitely want to get into, into following them. Uh, like I said, appreciate your time tonight uh, and uh, Rock Chalk. Hey, guys. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, I'd say good luck on Saturday, but I don't think you're going to need any. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, basketball season for sure. I appreciate, appreciate your time tonight, Mike. Yeah, we'll see you guys. Big thank you to Mike Plank over at Rock Chalk Talk. Again, you can follow them on Twitter at Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, tis the season in terms of basketball, that is, uh, for Kansas. So uh, this will be the time, best time of the year to follow them. Uh, and we'll, like I said before, uh, we pitched it to them. We'll give our score predictions here at the end of this uh, this year podcast, this year segment. Uh, so before we get into all that, though, Thanksgiving plans slash weekend plans, Jack? I'm going to fry some turkeys for Thanksgiving, but... Multiple? Yeah, multiple. Yeah, Cajun injection, all that shit. It'll be great. I can't wait. But uh, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? Um, it's probably mashed potatoes. Yeah. I'm a stuffing I could, guy. I could uh, probably sustain myself on mashed potatoes for far too long. In fact, I'm like part Irish, so uh, in a way, I, family ancestors probably did that at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, same here, so... And I'm yeah. a fan of the like non-conventional stuff. Like uh, my my family does it all real traditional. So every year I try to make something aside that is uh, different. So I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to have to think of that. I had crab legs for Thanksgiving one something, year. Yeah, that was, something like that. That was uh, the best Thanksgiving of my life. That's that yeah. Was... That's less of a side. That's more <laughs> yeah. of an under undertaking. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to come up with something bold. Tweet me at Matt Ravis if you got something good for me. I want to do something completely like inappropriate for Thanksgiving. There that's, you go. That's my style. I'll be house sitting for Thanksgiving. I'll oh, be watching yeah? some dogs. So nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that should be fun. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Weekend plans. Uh, this Kansas game, seven thirty start. That was rather or surprising. Six thirty start. Or, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Six thirty. Late though. We get a you know night game. That's kind of nice. Unfortunately, it's going to be very very cold. Yeah. So it's not a great time to have a night game on. Well, and actually, here here but... at, here at the franchise Jack, we start our pregame at either if it's at 11, we start at 6 a.m. Uh, if it's at any other time, we start at 7 a.m. So, uh, we were going to have to think of nearly 12 hours worth of content about Kansas. So I'm kind of like wondering. It's going to be all coaching search. You go for coaching search stuff. I guess, you, there's, yeah. It's endless conversation when you're talking about coaching search. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be, uh, I, I just wondering. Uh, I they need my, to go with the triple option person, though. There you go. Monken from Army. That's what they need to do. Plank agreed with me, so. There you go, yeah. Like I said, big thanks to uh, our friend from uh, Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, definitely knows his stuff and has had the brave watching Kansas football. Like You think he watches every Kansas football game? I bet he doesn't. That's brave. I bet he. Well, he he, he seems pretty he, knowledgeable. He has to with, yeah. with that blog, so you know he. I'm sure he does watch every game, but I bet he doesn't enjoy it. Yeah, that's an undertaking, absolutely an undertaking. I guess basketball probably makes up for that. The kind of talent that you get oh, in here yeah. and you're out. Yeah, that's 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 the trade off you get. So uh, there's that. One last thing I wanted to get into uh, before we give our um, our score updates. I wanted to ask you. You're a Chiefs fan. Patrick Mahomes and ketchup. What is the deal there? 
uh, with Patrick Mahomes' ketchup fetish, I'll call it. See, I have a ketchup <laughs> fetish of my own, but I draw the line at steak because that is absurd. You know, I I put ketchup on pretty much everything. I actually gave up ketchup for Lent when I was a kid, and I made it like five days maybe. So that tells you how much I love ketchup. But steak, no bueno. Well, here's the deal. It's like, and I guess when you make Patrick Mahomes money, it doesn't really matter. But I think of a steak. Yeah, he can as do a, whatever the hell he wants. I think with of that a steak as a arm, treat. I mean. That is a nice cut of meat that should be cooked and eaten with the utmost care. Maybe not eaten with the utmost care, because you can tear into Prepared it. with the utmost. Absolutely. Care. And so I think to uh, first of all order it well done. I don't know if Mahomes does, but people who do that, I think that's disrespectful as hell. It is disrespectful. And to then the, cow. the the whole ketchup thing too is just. I mean, you're gonna slaughter a cow and then you're gonna order it. Well done. I just mean, that's a, just eat a burger. At least you can throw some other stuff, some cheese. That's on That's insult of there. to injury. You yeah. know, cooking it well so done not, or putting ketchup on you, it. You don't condone nor in, nor endorse that. No, I do not. Okay, good to know. Just wanted to know that. Uh, all right, I think it's score prediction time. Score prediction: OU Kansas. Um, surely not a close game, right? No, no. Thirty-five point spread, right? Is that thirty? Thirty-eight point five. Thirty-eight. I, I believe 38 it's thirty-eight. Oh no, it's thirty-five point five. Sorry, thirty-five let me, and a half. Let me check right here. Unfortunately, that you know that doesn't really matter in real life, three points, but uh, it definitely matters to Vegas. That Let's is very, see. Very important. This will come up. Yep, thirty-five point five. So yeah, OU beats the spread. I'm going sixty-five seventeen for my score prediction. I think Puka Williams is gonna like take a screen pass a long way or something like that. So I'm gonna go uh, sixty-nine to seventeen. Nice. I can see a. Uh, I could see a couple of, uh, you know, I mean, Oklahoma has been, like I said, effectively nickel and dime several times this year. I could envision a few times where Kansas goes down, like you said, maybe Puka Williams take a screen pass, uh, you know, all the way down the sideline. Uh, maybe there's busted coverage. You never know with this team. Yeah, you, Stevenson's you really never in too do. bad. So, so yeah, special teams, yeah. uh, or you know, getting getting in uh, in in range for a field goal. So I'll say 69 to 17. Not close by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, this defense hasn't convinced me that they're going to hold anybody to, like, zero points or under a touchdown. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that's what I'm going to go with my score prediction. Hell, yeah. All right. Well, uh, unless you got anything else. I'm feeling like crap, and you were feeling like crap, yeah. too. We are both yeah, we pushing through. Uh, we both – He Matt's been, like, actually sick for, like, a week. I'm just really hungover, and neither <laughs> of us are really – I kind of want to – like take a needle and poke my head like a balloon. And yeah, pop it. I feel like that there's enough pressure in my head uh, that I could actually do that, and I might actually feel good. So, head scanners style or head scanners, scanners maybe. I don't know. What I don't know what you're about. talking about there. I don't. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, see, we're out of it. So yeah, I think this is a, probably a logical place to end the podcast. Thank you to Jack. Uh, thanks to our friends. Over. One more thing. When is Russell oh, yeah. Westbrook coming back? Uh, I will say uh, they play the Golden State Warriors Wednesday the 21st. I believe that's as good a time as any. I I, th- I think so. They do play on Sunday, uh, and I think Russell is ready to come back. It's just one of those things where it's kind of some built-in um, rest for Russell. I mean, his ankle bone actually tapped the floor. That looked really bad, but uh, it, it didn't seem that bad on return. So, like I said, designed uh, built-in rest for Russell Westbrook isn't the worst thing ever. No, it is not. He's thirty he now, so you know he's got a he's got to stagger his stuff a little. He's bit. got one gear; it's on and off. And yeah. Uh, he's a guy who will say that fatigue is mental, um, but I'm not buying it. It's definitely nope. physical as well, no matter how many times Russell Westbrook tries to wish it away. So, yeah, I would say Wednesday against the Warriors, but he's fine. He'll be all right. So, 
there you go. There's your uh, Thunder bit uh, for the podcast. Playing really well. Yeah. Don't yeah. want to jinx them, but playing pretty well. Uh, again, I think that is going to do it. Big friends to our, or <laughs> big thanks to our friends over at uh, Rock Chalk Talk uh, for talking to us on this podcast. Great stuff from them. For Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.